Payne County, Oklahoma. It's August. It's hot. And school is about to start. Welcome back, students of Oklahoma State University. Uh, we're glad you're back. Most of us are glad you're back. Um, you know, you take up a lot of space. Um, you, you take all the food at Walmart. Uh, you crowd the restaurants. And, you know, this morning I had to, I had to be like at a stoplight for like a minute. Usually I'm only at that stoplight for like 30 seconds, but now you're here, and so you're taking up the road. Uh, but anyway, welcome, everyone. Glad you're with us for another episode. Father Kerry is back in town. We're going to work on schedules, and he is going to be back on the show, and he's going to tell us all about his sabbatical and all the many places that he went. Um, and then we'll also kind of preview what's coming up with the school year, especially at St. John's. And then we'll tell you a little bit about what's going on here at um, St. Francis Xavier as well. So anyway, good stuff. I am joined today. So last week I had Deacon Tom Cabean talking about what it's like to become a Catholic. Today is a little sh- is a little shift. Um, my guest today is a convert to Catholicism, but we're not really. We can talk about that a little bit. But she has the coolest family in the world, and I want to, you to hear about her family. Joining me today is Lori Weeder. Welcome, Lori. Hello. Lori's never been on a podcast, um, so this is pretty exciting. She's never been on the radio, except you called in. You said you called in? Oh, yeah. I'm an 80s kid. Back in the day, you call in to request a song? Call in for the dedications. Oh. Oh, like a Saturday night, you know? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure those are recorded somewhere. Okay, Lori, tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from how you got to Stillwater, and how you became a Catholic. Well, I'm originally, well, I grew up in Henrietta, Oklahoma, which is an hour south of Tulsa. Right on 75. They have a quick trip now. We do. That was pretty exciting. Our claim to fame is home of Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman, yes. who And went Jim Shoulders. And Jim Shoulders, that's right. Right. And quick trip. Well, yes. a quick trip. <laughs> okay, you grew up in Henrietta, and you, what, were, what were you when as a... Younger person. I grew up Baptist. Right on. What was that like? It was kind of the cool church. Oh, is that right? It was really? the cool church. Uh, kind of the best youth group going? Uh, that and the Methodist. Mm-hmm. Okay. People kind of switched between the two. Okay. You know, depending on what the activities were. Sure. Go to the ski trip with the Baptists. Oh. Go, you know. But you were a Baptist. I was a Baptist. Your parents were Baptists? Yes. And their parents before them Mm -hmm. were Baptists? Well, my dad's mom was Pentecostal. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So then, uh, so you grew up in Henrietta, Mm -hmm. and then what happened? You graduated high school? Graduated high school, followed a boy to OSU. Not your husband. Not my husband. (laughs) All right, that's another podcast waiting Thank to be Thank you, Jesus. Waiting to be told. <laughs> so you came really you came to OSU to to be near him. I followed him. And it's funny how What's God works. What's he doing works. now? Uh he's married. Okay, off well good for somewhere. Okay, good for him. Right on. So came here kind of looked for a church and kind of went to a couple different Baptist churches here and never really found a good home. Graduated here, went to UCO, and got a master's degree, found an interdenominal. What was your degree at OSU? Bachelor, uh, psychology. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, then you go to UCO. Uh Uh-huh. Found an interdenominational church, 
huge kind of a mega church ish thing. Um, services were like two and a half hours long. Oh my! Lots of singing, lots of dancing. Wow! And um, went there while I was in graduate school. Graduated from there. Went to work for Seminole State College, and um, had a friend still here in Stillwater that played city league softball, and they needed a warm body. So I you're not you're not a dominant softball player, Lori. I, I'm not a dominant athlete. Okay, okay, I see, I see. <laughs> you do CrossFit. Okay, well, yeah. You're rocking the CrossFit, but I'm not dominant <laughs> there either. I guess. <laughs> More of a hobby. More of a it hobby. Is. All right. So you're on the softball team, and so I uh, just happened to meet my husband, and he was on your team or mm, on the opposing team. Neither. We oh. we went out afterwards, and okay, I, I met him, and there so we go. And you've been married now how long? To it will be 25 years in February. Mike Weeder. Wow, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so Mike uh, works at OSU. He mm -hmm. works in f fire fire protection publications. Fire protection publications. Mm -hmm. That's right. All the if you need some some good reading before bed, yeah. Throw down on some of those <laughs> fire protection publications. Um, so Lori in the para has been a parishioner. So you've been you became a Catholic. What year? In ninety nine, the same year I got married. Ninety nine. Okay. So you've been in and around. I mean, you've been mm -hmm. in the ch in the church for. A good long time at the old old St. Francis Xavier, and now the new place, and you've been in kind of a variety of roles. At the moment, Lori is our wedding coordinator, which that could be a whole other show too. Mm -hmm. Good good stories uh, from uh, from being a wedding coordinator. Um, but I wanted to bring Lori on the show more, more specifically to talk about her family. So you have her husband Mike, and they've been married twenty five years. Mike and Lori have two kids. Um, and I, would you just tell everyone, tell everyone about your kids, and then I want to talk about what it's like to have your kids at this church. Sure. Tell us about your kids. Luke is my oldest. He will be 22 in December. That's wild. I know. Isn't that wild? Wow. He, both of them have a genetic disorder which causes intellectual disabilities. It's kind of a rare disorder, um, but... Um, they, so they both have intellectual disabilities. Luke is nonverbal, so he doesn't talk, but he makes noise. He, you hear him. You do. <laughs> yep. He will bada-bah. He likes to clap. He loves to come to church. Uh, will applaud after a good sermon, <laughs> you he know, does. good homily. He does clap a lot. He will yep. clap after a gospel that he really likes. <laughs> um, and then Emily will be 19 in September. And she never stops talking, although she doesn't really have a lot to say. Um, but she will repeat lines from shows, and she sings everything. She knows every line to almost every prayer in Mass. In the Mass, yeah. Which you threw her. Um, saying a Eucharistic prayer oh, that I did, was uncommon. I did Eucharistic prayer number four. She was a little thrown on uh -oh. that. Oh, sorry, Emily. <laughs> I'll never do it. I'll never do it again. She was kind of like, what's he saying? Those aren't the words. Um, so they are, they're just really good kids that love to go to church. Yeah. 
They love to be here. They enjoy the music. They have their own missiles that they follow along and are really insistent on bringing the missiles, even if we're going to do something different at Mass. They still want to bring their missiles. Oh, if they're coming for Stations of the Cross... They, have, bring, they want they to bring, bring their the missiles. missiles. <laughs> I tell them they have to leave their missiles at home because what they're looking, you know, they don't need them. Oh, they're but not. They, yeah. But they want yeah. to bring them. They head to the door carrying them. And they go, and they, they're, you've told me like during the week, they are often like, are we going to church? Is it time for church? You know? Yes. Emily, Emily tends to want to go to church a lot on Mondays. Oh, that's like. She asks. It's like the one day we right. don't really have it. On Monday morning, go to church, go to church. There's no mass today. Go to church, go to church. There's no mass today. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot go to mass today. <laughs> um, what, when you, so when they were born, mm -hmm. just tell it about that, about kind of what, you, you know, you, at some point somebody, did you know they had I special did. needs before I they did. were born? Not before they were born, but. It wasn't long after. Luke didn't sit up. Luke didn't really babble. We thought it was this. We thought it was that. And we didn't really get a good diagnosis on Luke, honestly, until almost the pandemic. On exactly. Really? That was when we got the genetic testing back. Oh. They had a lot of the criteria for autism, but not really enough to actually get the diagnosis so it was kind of assumed they must be somewhere on the spectrum that just isn't there but then once we got that genetic testing done it was evident got it. that was what it was okay and what was that like or i mean I, I don't know, as a young parent help people kind of understand that one of the interesting things about having a child with disabilities is there's a grieving process and that's not something that people really think about it and it's not something that happens and then it's over it happens with every little season so when you first get the diagnosis it's you kind of grieve of of what you had planned for your child's life and then you grieve what they aren't going to have but then you start thinking well they never knew that they could have had that they go to middle school. I saw all of the little boys playing football out before school, went through it all over again because I was going to go watch my son play football all through school. I was going to go to the baseball games. I was going to watch my daughter cheer, I, you know, all of those things that they weren't ever going to do. And so then there's that loss of, of my dreams for them that, that they don't have. So that kind of a process is hard. But it, it goes away. <laughs> you just kind of live with it and, and move on. Because when you think about what they do have and what, how they do live, it, it, it will put it all into perspective. For example, both of them truly believe there's no evil in the world. They wow. think everyone is good and kind wow. and have no ill will towards them. And they just really think there's nothing bad in the world. And I think about infants when they're born and how they rely on their parents and all they want is love and that's all they have to give is love back. 
And in many ways, that's the way my children are as young adults now. Wow. All they want is love, and that's all they have to give is wow. love. Wow. I've never thought of it that way. I've just, yeah, yeah uh, you know, th- I mean, there comes a point in life, I don't know, you know, there's not, I don't remember it, but like where you realize, oh, that's bad, mm-hmm. or that's a bad person, or that person doesn't like me. Or, or they're saying or that to be mean. Oh. They just. Wow. If somebody says something, they're not wow. trying to be mean. Wow. That's that's amazing. It's very innocent. When was that? When did you realize that? Like when, not, you know, mm. not when they were two. No, <laughs> honestly, it was probably junior high for Luke and middle school uh-huh. for Emily. Uh-huh. Uh, with them being 20 months apart, things kind of happened about the same time. But it was when I would see the kids having their first heartbreak and... Um, Getting bullied or bullying, yes. And the fact that my kids didn't experience that. And I started thinking about will they experience that? And I really started looking at them and realizing that they probably won't because they don't see anything bad. I mean, they they just don't. They're not they don't do things mischievously, although Emily sometimes <laughs> borders on that. Sure. But like Luke, he doesn't ever do anything just being naughty. And it's almost, he's just... Like he's plotting, okay, now right. today I'm going to get that guy. Right. None of that. I mean, he might steal some food out of the refrigerator, sure. but that's just because he's no, a No, and they human. do know. I mean, they know. Oh, yeah. They know right from wrong. I mean, you've... I've seen you, you know, in different right. sort of circumstances say, you know, Luke, no, like, no, right. don't do that. Come back here. Sit down, you know, oh, eat, eat your food or, you know, don't stop watching that. Or And there are things that we talk about that they need to t- go to confession about. Mm-hmm. And so I bring them to confession and only you and God knows what happens in those confessions. Sure, sure. But, um, you know, we talk about what they need to confess. And, you know, I say, do you think you ought to confess this? And sometimes he's like, no. It's like, okay, well, you got to be sorry to go to confession. (laughs) Well, and I think one of the things, you know, when I I first got here, before I got here, uh, my predecessor was Father Ken Harder, who you knew well and who Mm -hmm. knows your family well. And uh, he kind of, we sat down one day and he sort of told me about all the special people in the parish. <laughs> uh, he kind of gave me just a little rundown of like, okay, who, you know, we were just about to sort of merge the parishes, you know, so who, who, who's really, who's really happy about that? Who's, you know, who's mad, who maybe needs a little extra care. He told me about, you know, some of our homebound mm-hmm. people who needs a little extra special care. And then part of that was, he told me, he said, okay, Saturday night, five o'clock mass, there's, you know, there's Lori, there's Mike, and they have two kids, mm-hmm. uh, Luke and Emily. And he said, Luke is going to kind of make a lot of noise. He claps. You know, Emily, you're going to kind of hear her. And I remember just thinking, oh, okay, let's let's see what that's all about, <laughs> you know. And then you get, and, and I think what people, um, especially I think Saturday night, 5 o'clock people, and just people who have been around a long time, I mean, I think they really, 
um, I think just like admire you and Mike and kind of how you've that that like your, your yes your children have special needs they have intellectual disabilities but like that 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 doesn't stop you right like you're you're not you're not not coming you know be, because of that but I think there's but there's a story like behind that um, I, you know almost like easier said than done could you talk through like wh- what that's been like as a as a Catholic family having two children with special needs what has it been like either here in Stillwater, kind of good and bad, mm-hmm. and then I know you guys travel and you've been to other places. What What is that like, maybe for those who are listening, to help them understand what it's like for you just to go to Mass? Sometimes it's really hard. Um, if Emily is having a bad day or if Luke is having a bad day, um, then it's it's hard to get out the door sometimes. And I know for others. There are other families with special needs members that it's even harder for them than it is for us. Uh, But sometimes, you know, Luke is more noisy. Uh, Emily picks at Luke and, like, doesn't want him to fidget with his fingers. Or she will do Peppa Pig all through Mass instead of what she should. So there's, I mean... For the most part, the parishioners at St. Francis has have been just wonderful. They have been very welcoming. We typically do <coughs> not get any kind of an eye roll or any negative comments um, as a rule on the children. We sit in the front row so that they have an unobstructed view we kind of started that when they were toddlers, and now there's no... I always no feel <laughs> bad when we have some special event, and we, like, reserve the first couple rows, you know, a baptism right. or something, and Luke Luke, looks Luke rolls him. in and goes to the front row and just kind of stares at people, like, why are you, what are you doing in my seat? <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you're like, Luke, we're going to go, we're going to sit in the third row. and It's okay. For this, this yeah. one time. So, but we do that because then they pay attention and uh, we're able, when they were smaller, I would say, oh, look, father's got the chalice. He's raising it up. Mm-hmm. Jesus is in the mm-hmm. cup. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pointing things out like that through mass. And that kind of helped engage them through mass. So now they kind of they also know, do yeah, that. They know what's going on. And, right. And Emily, it's really, I mean, it's amazing. And sometimes she's loud. Some masses is kind of louder than others, but like she, she knows the words of the mass, and will oftentimes, as I'm saying them at the altar, she I hear her little voice in the front row. She's saying it with me. She does. She knows like all the words. And I always feel a little bad about the people that are sitting around us, especially visitors, because. They didn't come to hear Emily say mass. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always, shh, let Father say that. So, what, so what's, uh, what's that like? I mean, so when, when a visitor comes or, or our own, you know, people, um, um, is it uh, how self-conscious are you? I'm more self-conscious at other churches than I am at ours, or if we have a lot of visitors, I will turn around and apologize 
to visitors or kind of give them the heads up ahead of time mm-hmm. if we have a lot of visitors sitting around us. Easter, because we have a lot of visitors at Easter, I'll say, I just want to apologize in advance. My daughter's probably going to say Mass with Father, and, and, and I'm sorry, but um, for the most part, people are appreciative of the warning, I think. Sure. So they're not And I do it too. When we have a visiting priest, I, I do. I tell them. Mm-hmm. I said, most likely, you know, there's going to be this family in the front row, and I give, you know, there might be some right. clapping, mm-hmm. and some jumping. Yes. <laughs> Celebration. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I would want to know that if I were just so I don't I don't right. think, you know, they're, that they're, they're, ob- they're obviously not being disrespectful. And in fact, mm-hmm. they're being they're being the exact opposite of this. Dis- they're they're making a joyful. They're noise. praying. Yeah, they're praying. <laughs> they're faithful. Right. Yeah. Right. What's it like to go to a to a visit like to visit another church? Some churches are not as welcoming. And what what does not welcoming look like? To your family, uh, people giving kind of the stinky eye. Um, if Luke claps, it's we don't clap in church. Or um, we once had a priest before Luke had received first communion. He went up for the blessing, and the priest just kind of overlooked him and just looked mm. over him, gave me communion, and just kind of brushed Luke off. Mm. And Luke was in tears. He oh, sobbed no. the rest of Mass oh. because he knew he was supposed to get a blessing, yeah. and he didn't get a blessing. Oh. We went up to the priest afterwards. I just explained to Luke, oh, he was busy. We're, we'll get one after Mass. And I went up to him afterwards and said, Luke didn't get a blessing at communion. He really wants one. And he looked at me and said, I don't do that. Oh, so Luke whoa, started crying again. Um, oh. But a deacon was standing there, and he said, I'll do it. And, oh. and Luke knew that a blessing from a deacon was was okay. And so I said, oh, look, deacon's going to give you a blessing. And wow. he was fine. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard um, when you don't feel that acceptance around sure. you. Um, and... Um, and you're saying it's, it, and I, I know, I know, like, I, it's not a total comparison, but like moms, moms with loud babies, right? Oh, right. They oftentimes will say, yeah, people kept like looking at me, P- you know, the lady in front. They didn't say anything. Right. And they didn't have to say anything. Because you know it what they're was, thinking. It was a look. They turned around a little scowl or a, you know, an eye roll mm-hmm. or eyebrows up. I would say sometimes you can't help but look, but if you do just because you can't you can't help it, smile. Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. Smile, if thumbs up. Somebody is turning around and and because Luke has clapped and maybe it's startling and so they turn around real quick. If they just kind of smile, then it's like okay, they're not offended. It's not it's a okay. judge. They're not judging. They're okay. Yeah. And so I try to do that, especially with families that have toddlers that are very busy in mass or babies. And and I try to just kind of give them that, hey, you got You it. got this. Yeah. We're yeah. good. Um, what advice would you give to to our own parishioners? Um, and I think, you know, what's interesting is I think a lot of people know your family, but there are other families in our parish. Mm-hmm. Um, and in every in every parish, if you go 
if you are a part of a church, any church, a Catholic church, um, there are going to there are families with children with special needs in your parish. Right. And if you don't see them, they don't feel welcome. What is <laughs> what are they? Not the not that every family is the same, but generally speaking, if you're at if you don't see a family with a child with special needs, they're they're not they're not there. They're not coming. Why, why aren't they coming? Most commonly, they do not feel welcome. And what does that? What would what would being welcome look like? There are a lot of people that I know who have gone to church and have been asked to step out when their child made noises or asked not to come back until their child could behave. Um, so, in order to welcome a family, is is to love them like Jesus would is to kind of ignore the little noises. Maybe they bring a train because that helps them be calm. Maybe they um, clap. Just kind of ignore that and, and give that smile. Say hi to them. Don't isolate them. Um, sit with them. Sit near them. Sit, sit near them. Uh-huh. Uh, but don't make them feel like they have to attend to you as well. Sure, right, <laughs> sure. But yes, don't don't like have four rows away from them. Um, but it, invite them to be near you mm. um, by sitting near them. Reach out, shake their hands. Don't ignore the children at the sign of peace. Welcome them. Offer what do your kids do? What do your kids do? I never. I don't really look up at the sign of peace. Uh, they will shake hands. Okay. They will shake hands. They typically are, you know, with all of us, once we all do the four of us, then usually there's not a lot of time, but we also, you know, they will shake hands with the people around or wave. Mm. So if you acknowledge the children just like you would any other child Any other that child, age, sure, sure. Right. Yeah, if a 21-year-old were sitting by you, Mm-hmm. Would you, you know, would you ignore them? Ignore you them? No. You would offer them no. the sign of peace sure. like you would sure. anybody else. Yeah. Wow. What I like to say is treat them like everybody else, but understand when they're not. That they're that they're not. Yeah. That every person is unique. Right. Yeah. So I think especially and you know for for priests you know how how welcoming are we how much do we, you know, so priests and deacons, but, you know, kind of ushers, greeters, um, you know, making sure that this, that a family, you know, after coffee and donuts after, I mean, I mm-hmm. know you guys always, people, you know, will come sit and, um, but I think sometimes people just don't know, they don't know like what to do. Like, well, if I sit with them, what, you know, what are we going to talk about? Right. And the answer is, we're going to talk about what you talk about with everybody else. Exactly. It's like, what are you going to do if you sit with them? The same thing you do if you with everybody sat else. with Bill and Jean. Yeah. You know, the same yeah. things. So. Yeah. So I so I think it's important, you know, you know, here, I know we have families that, 
just it's 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 it, to to get to mass is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, just from a you know, and that could be from a sort of accessibility standpoint. That could be from uh, the you know the effort that it takes to 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 get dressed. Right. I mean, what are, what are the what are the obstacles that people are facing before they ever walk in the door? I mean, at home. Oh gosh, there are things like if you have to do a medical treatment that might be needed during mass, what do you do? Oh, and where do you sit? And to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, so those are other difficulties that people have to deal with. Wow. It could be. Um, getting dressed it could be maybe how Even much time it car. takes yeah, right how much it. time it takes to get the person dressed so then you then the parent or caregiver still has to get ready and go um and sometimes by the time the parent gets ready the child is undressed again and oh, you know things like that happen think of that all right in our last 30 seconds tell us about your on uh, you're helping with the National Catholic um, Partnership, my, Partnership on, Disability. on Disabilities. The we, uh, the website was ncpd.org. Um, tell us about that real quick. It is a, an, a group of people, an organization that helps to make the Catholic Church accessible for yeah. everyone. So you went to their conference back in uh, October, I think it was last year. I did. Anyway, so Lori is really pushing me, pushing us to be more hospitable, more welcoming, and we're just going to keep on trying. So thank you, Lori. Thank you. For joining us. Have a great week, everybody.